Well, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, we're continuing, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. And it's a great book. We've seen Jesus as Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the Christ. As we continue in the study, we're seeing that Jesus, of course, is on the way to Jerusalem. Why? So he can die, die on the cross, pay for sin, and rise again. He has come as the substitute. He is the final sacrifice for sin forever. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this morning, we're going to see some hard parts because Jesus warns the nation. In fact, in this passage, when he's talking to the crowds, he's really talking to the nation of Israel. He warns them that a judgment is coming one day. He deals with those who reject him. And, of course, the message of Jesus Christ divides. There are those who believe in Jesus Christ. There are those who reject him. And the question might be for each of us today, and I know most of you personally, but some we could raise this question. Where are you? What does the future hold? What does Jesus teach about his plan? May we gain from our study this morning about, in this section, of course, of the Gospel of Luke, as we see Jesus warns about the coming judgment. And we'll see how all this fits together. What do you think of when you hear the name Jesus? I mean, who is he? What do you think about? Some people, when you hear the name Jesus, they think of the baby born in Bethlehem. They think of the Christ child, a Christmas story. And others say, okay, if I hear Jesus, I think of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I think of him as the Savior. Others say, well, I think of Jesus who's gentle and meek, and he was led as the lamb to the, you know, to the slaughter as he went to the cross. It was that. He is the man who is meek and mild and gentle. But there's more, because the Bible describes him also as the lion out of the tribe of Judah, and as the king of kings and the lord of lords and the ruler of the world, the one whose eyes are a flame of fire, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the judge before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will give an account, Romans 14:12. He is the lion, the ruler and the judge. So often we think of, uh, people think of Jesus as the lamb, but he is also the lion. And this morning as we look at our passage, this last section in, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus warns the nation. He warns them of his coming judgment, that he is coming. He is coming as the lion and the judge. When does this happen? How does this happen and why? And we'll see how it fits together. And as we begin, remember this, that Jesus came the first time to die on the cross, to pay for sin, to, to be the, the Messiah and the Savior. He comes a second time as the king and the judge to rule and to judge. And so we, we need to understand the two comings. That's the comings to the earth now, first coming to the earth to die, the second coming to the earth to reign. And we'll put some other things together in just a minute. But we need to understand that and, and see how this warning fits together. Well, let's begin. He's on the way to Jerusalem. He has just finished his ministry, his work in the northern part of Israel around the Sea of Galilee. And that's really over. We've been seeing all that. But the rest of the book, even though you say, gosh, we, we're already through the northern part. And he's on the way to Jerusalem. We've got a whole bunch of chapters left. It is. But a lot of the book, most of the book is going to deal with this last time in Jesus' life where he goes to Jerusalem where he is going to die on the cross and pay for our sin. Now, what has he done? He has proclaimed that he is the Messiah and the Savior. He did the signs. He did all the miracles the Messiah was to do. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He gave the forgiveness of sins. He even showed. He showed in all kinds of ways that he was the Messiah. Now here's the problem. The nation of Israel as a whole has missed him. They've rejected him. They've rejected the signs. They've rejected Jesus as Messiah and Savior. The religious leaders are in opposition to Jesus. And the closer he gets to Jerusalem, the worse it becomes. We're going to see it a little bit later where Jesus actually asked his men. He said, who do the people say that I am? And they say, well, some people think you're John the Baptist, some think you're this, Elijah, some think you're a prophet. But you know, he noticed that none of them say to Jesus, they all think you're the Messiah. Because they didn't. And they rejected him as, as a nation and as a people group. Not, not individual people, but as a, as a nation. 
This morning we see that Jesus declares that one day he comes in judgment. And this message does divide. In fact, the message of Jesus Christ always divides because some people believe and some people don't. And he gives this warning. And he says you must be reconciled to God before it's too late. The very last of that passage where it talks about why you're going to the magistrate and your opponents there and settle it, it's a little, it's a little parable that Jesus uses to talk about that before you have to stand before the judge, you better deal with the issues. And it's bottom line, trusting Christ before you have to stand before him as a judge. Because if you trust him, he's your savior. If you do not trust in him, he's your judge. And we'll see how that fits together. What do you think about the coming of Christ? Do you, I hope and pray that every one of you in this room have eternal life. And that if somebody said to you, what's going to happen to you when you die? You would say, I have trusted in Christ as Savior. I have eternal life. He is my Savior, and I will be with him forever. There is a warning that Christ gives in this passage to the nation of Israel, and we can make application that all people need to believe in Jesus Christ, trust in him before it's too late. Well, let's see what happens, and, and let's, let's see what's been going on in our passage. Look at chapter 12. <clears throat> it's a long chapter. We've been going through it week by week. We're right at the end. If you remember at the start, it talked about living for Christ against the religious leaders, uh, standing for Christ against the religious leaders, and then talk, we talked about dealing possessions. That was really hard stuff because he talked about taking what you have and realizing everything we have comes from God, and we're to use it for God's glory, and then he talked about seeking the kingdom, which means to live for Jesus Christ and store up eternal treasure, not earthly stuff because it doesn't last. And then we spent last week talking about looking for his coming we'll go into that in detail in just a second but how did jesus said listen he's going to come at any time and and that people are to be ready to be wise stewards of what he's given as they await the return of christ and then finally christ brings division this is what we're going to see and this is how he says it he said do you think i came to bring peace on the earth no i came to bring division and people say, wait a minute, I thought Jesus, Jesus is nice. He's not going to bring division. Yes, he is. And we're going to see how it fits together. Jesus is teaching the crowds. Last time, a powerful truth. He said, I'm coming back. I'm returning. And you need to be ready for the coming. And he told people, in that passage, he said, a wise steward is one who is faithfully using what God has given as he waits the return of Christ. This passage didn't say what return. We know that the next event will be the rapture in which the, the church will be taken off. We also know that he's going to come a second time to the earth as the king. That's also a return. And what we made the application last week and said that he's given a general statement, and that general statement is, I'm coming back one sometime, and wherever you are, whenever he's coming, you just be faithful to use what he's got for you and be faithful stewards of what he has. So when he comes, he can say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we saw last week. He told his men to be watching, be faithfully serving. Now, last time we talked about the comings of Christ. I just want to remind you, the first coming of Christ, he came to the earth. He came to the earth to die on the cross to pay for sin. He comes as Savior. That's what we're seeing in the Gospel of Luke. He's, there's a second coming of Christ to the earth, and that is to rule and to judge as the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's on in the future. There is another coming of Christ in between, which he comes in the clouds, not to the earth. That's why when the Bible talks about the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ, it's not talking about the rapture. First coming of Christ to the earth, Savior. Second coming of Christ to the earth, King and Judge. In between there is a time which we call the rapture in which the, he comes in the clouds for the church. He takes us out. He doesn't come to the earth. We meet him in the clouds. That's a different thing. Regardless, for all of us in this room, we're to be faithfully serving Jesus Christ 
being wise stewards of what he's given us as we await his return. Now, that's what he basically taught him last time. And now this passage goes into some really hard things. Let me break down the passage for you. First of all, he says he's going to bring judgment. He says, I got a fire. I've come to cast fire on the earth. That's a judgment statement. And then he talks about he's got to suffer. That's verse 50. He's going to die for us. He's going to be identified with us. He's going to, he's going to die for mankind. And then he talks about that the message, that what he does brings division. And it'll divide families. It'll divide people because he has a message of salvation. And some people believe it and some people don't. And then the last thing is the warning. And the warning is be reconciled. We would say this, trust in Christ before it's too late. That's what he's saying. And we'll see how it fits together. There's so much in this. We're just going to touch on these truths. Can't go into all the detail. But we, we want to make application. I want to remind you of the great truth. Jesus Christ came to the earth, died on the cross, paid for our sins, and rose again. Everyone, anyone who will believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Anyone who does not trust in Christ will be separated forever. The, the prayer... And the truth is that we want all people to trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and be reconciled to God before it's too late. It's too late when you die. It's too late. If you've not trusted Jesus Christ when you die, it's too late. It's appointed for man to die and after that the judgment, Hebrews chapter 9. Now, let's remember where we are. Jesus taught the great truth about his coming. And exhorted the believers to be faithfully serving as they await. And that's our goal as we're living for Christ. Serve him as we await for his coming. Now he begins to turn to a judgment issue. And the first thing we're going to see is that Jesus will bring judgment. See, everybody wants to see Jesus as the lamb. They don't like to think of him as the lion. Look what he says. I have come to cast fire upon the earth. And how I wish it was already kindled. Now he says, it's a powerful statement. We talk about Jesus is love and he is, but he's also the Savior and he's also the judge. And he says, I have come to bring, cast down fire upon the earth. What's he talking about? You remember his two comings? His first coming is the Savior born in Bethlehem to die for sins. Second coming is the King and the Judge. He comes to Jerusalem to rule and reign and to judge. That's the fire part. You remember John the Baptist had taught that when Jesus comes, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The Holy Spirit had to deal with this first coming because when any time people believe in Jesus Christ, we're baptized by the Holy Spirit placed in the body of Christ. When he comes the second time, it's coming with fire, and that's the judgment. And so that's what he's talking about. And he says, I've come to cast fire upon the earth. He came that first time as the Savior. And all who believe in him have eternal life. His second time he comes with fire to bring judgment. Jesus is the judge. There's a statement. I mean, there's something you just got to realize. Either Jesus Christ is your Savior or he is your judge. And when people who have never trusted in Christ stand before him, Books are opened, and the book of life is open, and it says anyone's name who is not found in the book, name not found written in the book of life, is cast in the lake of fire. The way you get your name in the book of life is faith in Jesus Christ, to trust in Him as Savior. That's the book with all the people who say or are saved. So if a person has never trusted in Christ, their name's not found in the book of life, and He's the Judge that says you're not here, you will be separated. He says, I have come to cast fire upon the earth. There's going to come. It's going to happen. 
Revelation 19, when he comes and the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to set up the kingdom, there'll be a judgment there of the sheep and the goat, and then he, and at the end of the tribulation, uh, at the end of the kingdom, there'll be another judgment time, and there'll be the thing called the Great White Throne Judgment. All of those things fit together. If you're interested more in end times, my Sunday school class, we're studying what we call the seven last things in the book of Revelation, and we're dealing with these particular issues, the end time events. So with, I'm not going into the detail here, but if you're interested in that part, you can come to the Sunday school class. One of the great truths of the Bible, Jesus is Savior and Judge. Savior for all who believe, Judge for all who reject. He says, I'm going to bring fire. And then he says this, I, how I wish it were already kindled. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I wish, I wish the work was already done. Because, see, he's going to have to die first and then judge. See, he has to have the cross before the crown. And people don't always get that. And, and the nation of Israel didn't always get that. And even sometimes uh, people just, you know, they say, what do you mean? He, isn't Jesus the king? In fact, that's what a lot of people are saying. Isn't he the king? And he's supposed to take over? And he's supposed to whip the Romans? And he's supposed to set up the kingdom? And he came the first time to die and the second time to reign. Well, he says, I wish it were already kindled, but he's got to do something first before he can come and judge. And that's he's got to die. Look at verse 50. And this is Jesus must suffer. Watch. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Now, Jesus has to first die on the cross. He has to go to the cross and die and pay for sin before he can come back as the king and judge and rule. He must be the savior before he can be the king. He says, I have a baptism to undergo. What does that mean? The word baptizo means to dip or to identify. Every time you see the word baptize in the Bible, it doesn't mean a water baptism. In fact, most of the time, it doesn't mean a water baptism. When he says, I have a baptism to undergo, he says, I have an identification to undergo. He's going to identify with mankind, with sinful mankind because he's going to the cross and take the sins of mankind on himself. He's going to pay for the sins. And what he's saying is, I have to be identified with man to die for the sins of the world. That's his plan. And he says, I have a baptism to undergo. I have to do that. I'm going to do that before I can judge and rule. He has to come as the Savior. He identifies with mankind as he dies on the cross, as he pays for our sin, as he dies in our place. He's our substitute. Look at these verses. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He died in our place. 1 Peter 3.18 Christ died for our sins once for all the just for the unjust. That's for us. He took our place. First John 2, 2, he's the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. Hebrews 2, 9, he tasted death for every person. He became the substitute. And he's telling that I have to go and identify with man by dying on the cross, taking the sins of the world upon myself. <clears throat> we are thankful that he did that. We are thankful for the first coming of Jesus Christ to this earth. It was predicted from Genesis 3.15 all that a Messiah would come who would be the Savior of the world. And exactly the right time Jesus Christ came, Galatians 4.4, in the fullness of time God brought forth His Son born of a woman. Jesus Christ became a person and He died on the cross and He paid for our sins. And He's telling them, this is what I have to do. I have to do this first before I bring the fire on the earth, before I bring the judgment. The first time Jesus Christ did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. And so he, before he can bring the fire, he has to undergo, as he says, this baptism, this identification. He says, I'm distressed until it is accomplished. See, what he did, and you remember, is he went to the cross. And he took our sins upon himself. And he bore in his body our sins when he was on the cross, First Peter 
And he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because when he took the sins of mankind on the world, the wages of sin is death. Death is separation. Jesus was separated from the Father. And at the very end, what did he say? It is finished. He did it all. Paid the penalty. Jesus is saying right here, I have to undergo this and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. He says, I'm looking forward to getting this through. He said, it wasn't my will. It's the will of the Father. He dies on the cross and removes the barrier that separates man from God. And all who come to God by faith in Jesus Christ have eternal life. So the first coming to suffer and to die, the second coming to rule and to judge. Now, that's the message. He's going to come down the cross paper saying, whoever will believe in him will have eternal life. Whoever will not believe in him will have eternal separation. That message divides people. Look at this part here, the third part. Jesus brings division. That's what happens. Whenever you proclaim the good news message of Jesus Christ, whenever you are clear that it is faith alone in Christ alone, it will bring division. Notice what he says. He raises this question. He says, do you suppose that I came to to grant peace on earth? I tell you, no. Rather, division. He said, did did I come? Do you think I came to bring peace? Well, don't most of us say, yeah, but Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Didn't he come to bring peace? Well, he brings peace individually. Let me tell you what we mean by that. When you believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, the Bible says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's in our relationship with the living God. There's peace individually. But he said, when I come to this earth and I give out my message, it's not going to bring peace on the earth. It's going to bring division. Why? Because there will be division. Because some people will believe and some people won't. J. Vernon McGee was one of my favorite Bible teachers. He uh, talked about a man, gave him a painting one time. And the painting was a cross. And the cross was being pulled like a plow, and the cross was dividing up dirt, and dirt was going on both sides. And the bottom of the painting said, the cross divides men. That's how it was listed. And the bottom line is, when you proclaim the message of Jesus Christ, that he came to the earth, that he's the Son of God, that he died on the cross, that he paid for sin and rose again, and if you believe in him, you have eternal life, when you proclaim that message, it divides people. Because some people believe that, some people don't believe that. Whenever someone is confronted with Jesus Christ, there will be people who believe, there will be people who do not believe. When, Jesus, when, when Paul was arrested and st- was taken to Rome, and all these Jewish people came to him, and it said he had the open opportunity, they said, we want to hear what you have to say, and he preached Jesus to them, and he talked about the death and resurrection, and then it says, and some believed and some did not believe. The message of Christ divides There are many of you in this room, you have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. There are other people that you're close to, maybe in your family, friends that you know, who do not believe in Jesus. You've talked to them and you've said, you know, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. And they say, I don't believe that. You're wrong. There'll be division. Notice verse 52. For from now on, five members of one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three. They'll be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He says, even in the deepest, closest relationships, when the message of Jesus Christ is proclaimed, there is division. When the truth of Christ is proclaimed, there will always be some who will believe and some who won't. If we went on that campus and I go into a group called the Interfaith Council 
And if I stand up and say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation, that he died on the cross, that he paid for sins, and whoever will believe in him will have eternal life, there's division in that room immediately. And not only division of those who say they're Christians and those who say they're non-Christians, there is division among those who call themselves Christians because they say it's more than faith. You can't just say believe in Jesus. You have to do this and do this and do this. There's division. Whenever the clear grace message of Jesus Christ is proclaimed, there will always be division. I just want you to understand that. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4.12, Peter said, There's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we might be saved. It is the message that brings division. And so when you proclaim the message of Christ, there'll be some people who say, I don't believe that. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe he's my... I don't believe that. There'll be others who say, well, I believe about Jesus, but I think you're saying this, and I'm saying you need to be willing to do the following things in order to be saved. There's always division. And Jesus said, they'll be divided. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Where do you stand? Have you believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life? Have you understood that he died for you and paid for sins and rose again? And if you trusted in him and him alone, not what you do, what you have done or what you will ever do, but you're trusting in Christ as your Savior, if you have, you have eternal life. And you know that there are people that you deal with on a daily basis who do not believe that truth. Christ says, when I come... You think I came to bring peace? No, my message brings division. Well, with that last section, or to go into the last section, he now gives the warning, and that is to be reconciled. And he's talking to the nation of Israel, but it could be, the application could be to any person on how they're going to respond to Christ. For the nation of Israel, he's telling them, he says, listen, you guys know everything, but here's the Messiah, and you're missing him. And for many of us, as we come in contact with people every day and we talk to them about Jesus, we, we, we tell them clearly that Jesus is the Savior and the Son of God. And sometimes they, they just say, I don't, I don't believe that. Look at the warning. He's talking to the nation. And he, at verse 54, and he was saying to the crowds, these are the Jewish people that all gathered around. Remember, he's nearing Jerusalem. He said, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, a shower's coming. And so it turns out. And when you see a south wind blowing, you say, you know what, it's going to be a hot day. And that turns out. He says, you know what, you can look out there around this world and you can tell if a storm's coming, you say, you know, looks like a storm, it's a storm. Looks like it's going to be hot, it's hot. And then notice what he says, because it's very strong. You hypocrites, which means the pretenders. He said, you know how to analyze the appearance of the earth and sky. You can look at it and see all these signs, and you say, looks like a storm's coming, and it is. Looks like it's going to be hot, and it is. But why do you not analyze this present time? What should they have seen? As they looked out, and they saw the signs, how Jesus Christ healed the sick and raised the dead, gave forgiveness of sins, and talked about his death and resurrection, and fulfilled every sign that the Messiah was supposed to do. He's saying to them, if you can tell if it's going to rain, why can't you tell when the Messiah is here? You know the Scripture, you know the Messiah is supposed to do, and yet you miss him, and you can say, yeah, it's going to rain, but you miss the Messiah. He says... He says, why do you not analyze this present time? You can tell the weather 
but you've missed the most important person who's ever lived. See, this is, this is Israel's Messiah. From, from Adam and Eve, the promise of the seed of woman who's going to crush the head of the serpent. But beginning with Abraham, the Jewish man, Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Judah to Joseph and to David and on down, the promises have been the Messiah of Israel is coming, the one who's going to, who's going to be the Jewish Savior, the Messiah, of the, the Savior of the world, and the Jewish King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's saying, you can tell the weather, but you miss your Messiah? And there's some people, they're so smart in everything, and they miss Jesus Christ. They can tell you every statistic, and they can tell you all these things, and they can tell you about the weather, and they can tell you about the stock market, and they can tell you about sports, and they can tell you about everything in the world, and about science, and, but they miss the Messiah. And so he says... You hypocrites, you know how to analyze the appearance of the earth and the sky. Why do you not analyze this present time? How could you miss this, is what he's saying. The nation of Israel should have been able to recognize the Messiah. It's true for all of us. Jesus Christ died and rose again. Whoever believes in him has life, eternal life. And there are people who say, I know about science and I know about math and I know about this and I know about this. I don't know about this. Look what he says to him in verse 57. Why not? And why do you not even on your own initiative judge what is right? He says, why don't you make the right choice? Why don't you know what you're doing? Why don't you believe that Jesus is the Christ? He's the Messiah. And then he gives a little parable, a little story. And here's his point. The person's done wrong, and they're on the way to stand before the judge who's going to declare him guilty. And he's saying, before you get to the judge, get things right. Settle this issue so you won't ever have to stand before the judge. We could make the application this way. We've, not tried to pers- We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. If something's not done, we're going to stand before Jesus as the judge. He's saying, before you ever have to stand before him as the judge, get things right. Trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, so you'll never have to stand before the judge. He'll be your Savior. Look at the parable that he gives. He says, but while you are going with your opponent to appear before the magistrate, he says, you've you've offended somebody, you've done something wrong, and you're fixing to go before the judge, the magistrate. On your way there, make an effort to settle with him. Solve the problem. The problem is we've sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Jesus said, I'm the Savior. And he's saying, then believe in the Messiah, the Savior. He says, so he won't drag you before the judge. You're going to stand before the judge. And the judge turn you over to the officer. And the officer throw you in the prison. And he says, I'll tell you something. You're not going to get out till you paid every last cent. Our point is, if you stand before Jesus as judge, you're going to be cast away. You're not going to get out. It's too late. Trust Christ before it's too late. That's what he's telling the nation of Israel. See Jesus as their Messiah and trust in him before it's too late. For all of us, it's the same thing. Trust in Jesus Christ before it's too late. I hope and pray that every one of you in this room would say, well, I've already trusted in Christ. I have eternal life. I'm okay. Great. There are people that we deal with every day that aren't okay. You know, it's that story of that guy who jumped off the 100-story building without a parachute, and he's on the way down. And as he passes about the 30th floor, a guy yells out at him, How's it going? He says, Pretty good so far. Yeah, there's a stop coming. And there are a lot of people, if you said, How's your life going? Pretty good so far. They don't know. One day they're going to stand before what? Jesus Christ as the judge. And we want all people to know Jesus Christ as Savior, not as judge. 
Trust in Christ before it's too late. May we tell people so that they can know the truth. See, some people, they don't know the truth. They're sitting there and you'll tell, you know, and, and there are people and they'll, if you tell them about Christ, sometimes they'll say something like this. They'll say, I just don't think I'm ready to give up this yet or do this yet or I'm not ready to do this. They don't understand salvation's not what they do. Salvation's the gift of eternal life which comes by faith. And you have the answer. You have the answer. I mean, I don't mean this bad, but there are places in this town, there are churches in this town, they don't have the answer. They got the wrong message. They're telling people to be good and live a good life and be baptized and walk down this and do this, and they're confused. And the people they talk to, they confuse. You have the message of grace. We've got to tell people before, for some of them, it's too late. Because once they die, it's too late. If we trust Jesus, He's Savior. If we reject Him, He's the judge. Jesus comes to, as he says, he comes to judgment. He's got to first die and pay for sin. And then he says this message brings division. And for the nation of Israel, they, miss, they, they see the physical truths, but they're missing the spiritual truths. And he warns them to believe before it's too late. Let me give you some applications. Realize that Jesus Christ is both Savior and Judge. He is the Savior to all who believe. He's the judge who all to reject. His first coming, he came as the Savior. The second coming, he comes as the judge. He is the Savior who died and rose again, paying for sin, conquering death, giving eternal life to all who believe. But he is the judge to which every human being will give an account. And when they reject him, he, they will be separated forever. Number two, the message of Jesus Christ brings division. It always does. When you give a clear message, get, try it, okay? If, you, if you're not sure, you just go out there and say, I believe Jesus is the only way, that he died and rose again, that he gives eternal life, and it's simply by faith. It's not what we do, promise to do, or ever hope to do. We take the gift of eternal life, and we're saved and saved forever. You see how that message goes across. Both with believers, both, first of all, first with unbelievers sometimes, but try it with some believers and see how they look at you. The message brings division. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Third, trust Christ before it's too late. If there's anyone in this room that you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, right where you're sitting right now, you can believe that he died for you and paid for sin, that he rose again, that he is the Savior, and that he will give you eternal life, that you trust him for eternal life. It's not your works. It's not what you do. It, it's, it's simply faith in Christ. For all of us in this room who have trusted in Christ, we've got to be ready to go into this community with the good news message. When people die, it's too late if they've never trusted Christ. May we proclaim the powerful message of salvation by faith alone in Christ alone so that all who believe may have Jesus and see Jesus as Savior rather than judge. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these truths, Lord. We realize that Jesus is indeed both the Savior and the Judge. The first time He came, He came to save. The second time He comes, He comes as the Judge. All who believe in Him have eternal life. Lord, we know that this clear message will always divide people. That Jesus said it's going to divide even households. When the message of Christ is proclaimed, there will be people who believe and people who don't. Lord, we hope and pray that everyone in this room has trusted Christ as Savior. And Lord, we pray that as we go into this community, you will use us to tell the good news message of salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. And may people trust in Jesus. Lord, we know that uh, we want them to trust before it's too late. Use us, Lord, for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.